0: this might be stating the obvious, but we do love a good wine, and today's episode is brought to you by our good friends at Different Drop.
1: Yes, Different Drop actually converted me into a wine drinker, and their site is super easy to explore, and they deliver fast.
0: Oh my god, I'm all about that fast delivery girlfriend. Well, Peachy Fam, we have some amazing news for you. We have a collection of wines that you can get 15% off when you use the code PEACHYVINO. Just head to differentdrop.com forward slash peaches, enter the code and thank us later. I basically was like,
2: my life is over. Um, I don't want to have a baby right now. Uh, I can't afford a baby right now. I have to give up on my dreams. I have to go home and I have to face the shame of my family. And I look back now and I'm so proud of that decision I made because
1: I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now. You're listening to The Peaches Podcast, a show by Tori Clapham and myself, Beck Chidiak. This is not a show about fitness.
0: This is a collection of stories and conversations with some of the most inspiring people we know. This is The Peaches Podcast. Welcome back to The Peaches Podcast. This is a big episode. In it, we'll be discussing the reproductive rights of women, one of them being abortion providing safe and, importantly, legal access to pregnancy termination is something we feel very passionate about here at Peaches HQ. Young women or uterus owners deserve autonomy over their bodies. Whether you end up pregnant after an assault, an accident, pressure or coercion from your partner, or you're simply just plain not ready for the insane responsibility of parenting a child – access to appropriate healthcare is imperative. We shed light on the often taboo subject of abortion today, with the queen that is Jen Atamal. Jen was so brave to share her experience with us, and her openness about her journey with therapy and self-discovery is one that we can all benefit from. For this, we thank her. Quick trigger warning, this episode touches on assault. Jen, welcome. It's so nice to see your face. I believe you're in upstate New York at the moment.
2: I am. It's very cold. Um, we're heading into, I think, one of the coldest winters um
0: yet, you oh, know. Really? Bloody yeah, global gay, warming. Is that the chart? Yeah, Is global
2: it? warming? Yeah. So Is this you your know, second I, winter? Um, my second official New York winter, yeah, because my first one I was Lucky enough to get back to Australia before the world completely changed. Oh, yeah, that's right.
0: <laughs> the joys. Well, yeah, um, we've been really polite and followed suit with your beverage of choice, which Thank is you. rose Rosa Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.
2: We're going to develop a
0: drinking problem doing this Midday podcast on a Wednesday here.
2: I mean, mm. it's fine. It's it's eight o'clock here, so yeah.
0: Yeah, it's fine for you. I mean, it is, at <laughs> yeah. least it's a little later in the day for us. It's midday. It's past midday. Um, yeah, we've been fine. drinking
1: <laughs> at 10, 11 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> These midweek <laughs> interviews are going to get Stop.
0: us. Um, before we get into this big subject today, let's start with our weekly pet peeves. Jen, can you share one of yours?
2: Yeah. So if, uh, I don't know, anyone that has been to New York or lived in, lived in New York or lived in a fast paced city. Um, there's a lot of walking that happens in New York. And one of my biggest pet peeves is people that walk too slowly, um, or walk too slowly. And they're like looking at their phones Mm. and they're just like bumping into you or just not looking where they're going. And like, you're really trying to get somewhere in a hurry and you're like trying to dodge them, but then they go, it's, it's, it's a whole thing. And it's really annoying we've had this piece. we've we've talked about
1: footpath rage mine was sidewalk hogs when there's too many people together and Tori actually mentioned the pace of the walk so it is a
0: thing I feel you deeply I don't understand how people can plod along so slowly it like I've said in the previous episode it actually physically pains me to be behind someone when they're walking that slowly
2: so I was actually behind <laughs> someone the other day and they weren't even walking. They were in a car. They were driving their car in New York City <laughs> and they were on their phone, like s- scrolling through reels and they were driving at the same time and they were swerving and like going so slowly. So it's not just limited to the footpath. It is literally on the oh. roads as well. It's it was terrifying. Dangerous. That is really <laughs> it bad It was so behavior. dangerous. Yeah, It is. Scrolling
0: yeah. through reels. Good Lord. What is the bloody world coming to
2: um, yeah, B, what's your shit?
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, mine,
1: I think you're all going to agree on whether you're in a relationship um, or seeing a guy or a girl or whoever. And it's when you're told that they're coming home after this last drink. And <laughs> can we all agree, we know what I'm talking about. Oh my about. God, yes. <laughs> when they're like, hey, babe, just having one more beer, I'll be home after this drink. And then they just and it
0: happens to be a three and a half hour beer. (laughs) It's the world's world's longest beer.
1: So yeah, and after ten years of being with Brett, he's getting a little bit better. I must admit, but um, yeah, it's just don't even tell me that you're coming home after this beer. Like, who are you telling yourself
0: or me? Yeah, Chris does that. He'll be like, "I'll be home soon," and I'm like, "Why are you?" You you don't need to update me, and I know that you're lying because (laughs) basically if if I get a coming home soon message from Chris, I add at least two hours to that that time (laughs) step. So that's a
1: peeve. When I say I'm coming home, I'm coming home.
0: Yeah, yeah. Boys, figure it out. Or girls, if there's some girls out there, although women I feel like are generally more considerate in that department. Um, Mine is the discontinuation (laughs) of a product. Like they reel you in, they get you with the perfect shade yes. of whatever the hell it is and you you love yourself sick with it and um, then they discontinue it. And what? where are you left? What are you supposed this to do? This happened with you with the Astralis yes. um, eyebrow. Babe, I still have them stocked up. You bought so like five. I was obsessed with this. It was $7. Astralis, you know the, that brand Astralis mm-hmm. that had this yeah. eyebrow gel. Best eyebrow product I've ever used... And um, I went on to like an online chemist's warehouse thing and it was on sale. And I was like, oh, goody. And then I was like, hold on, why is it on sale? What does this mean for me? And I did some Googling um, because I was very attached to the brow gel and it turns out that they were discontinuing it. So I bought like 15 of them. Yeah. <laughs> and one little like tube lasts for so long. I still have my stash. This was years ago. So if there's anyone else out there, please do um, write in and let me know that you emphasise. Mm -hmm. um i just don't like if they're selling well why are they gonna do it to us just keep that product on i mean
2: i i recently saw that they've discontinued cafe patron right before the (gasps) holiday season what is this like
0: like why would they do that is there a god what the hell (laughs) i don't
2: i don't really like cafe patron but it just it does remind me of like when i was younger and like it would it reeled you in like you wanted to have cafe patron it's like. the
0: ultimate ultimate party drink. and you felt like yeah. you were
2: legit having patron yeah. like
0: yeah. totally it's basically the only shot that I can handle now. So I'm officially retiring from the world of shots. Like when I was younger, I used to shot anything. And now yes. the, the only thing that I can handle without gagging or vomiting is Cafe Patron. No, everyone's going to know I'm boring now. <laughs> Next time shots are ordered. Because I'm out all the time at bars, you know, with my, yeah. with my baby. <laughs> <laughs> Devastating. All right. Well, Jen... Before we kind of dive a little bit deeper into your experience of your abortion, um, I think I'd really love your listeners to know a little bit more about who you are. So what makes Jen Jen?
2: Well, I am a, if you don't already know, I'm a model um, and I live in New York I'm terrible at talking about myself. Um, Look how
0: bashful you are. <laughs> she is. <laughs> I didn't
2: know this side of you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just feel like I, I. it's only recently that I've started, like, talking about my achievements and, like, being proud of them. Like, I've always been proud of them, but I think there's a part of maybe growing up in Australia that you're not allowed to, like, toot your own horn the same way that Americans toot their horns. Massively. Um, I feel that like, deeply. Yeah. So I don't know. I feel like I'm a very successful model, but I'm also like multi multifaceted. I've got two master's degrees. I'm not using either of them currently, but I have goals too. Um, And I am in a really incredible job that I feel is very empowering for women. It's enabled me to travel the world, see some incredible things, experience all these different cultures. I feel like it's made me really I don't know, wise person Um, and it's, yeah, I think it's just allowed me to really find myself and I don't know if it's like even just really recently turning 30, but I just feel that I am a different person to the person I was even five years ago. And I don't know if it's the pandemic that changed me, if it's all the things that I've been doing that's changed me or yeah, the people that have influenced me and, and I've encountered along the road, but
0: yeah. That really That's is the me. beauty of, of getting older. I um, massively agree. I think turning thirty is huge. Yeah, you I love turning thirty. I think for women, it's like I'm done with my twenties. I'm done with picking myself, you know, apart with a pair of tweezers over every so-called flaw. Um, and I think it, I think that is the blessing of age. Um, and I think every year we just learn to love ourselves more. We learn to know ourselves more, and really just stop giving a shit as much which I think mm-hmm. makes a huge difference
1: yeah I feel that you get to a point where you realize what you've got in your life at that time and that's not like the day you turn 30 but
0: around <laughs> you like, wake up I love myself now <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but you look around and you're like the friends that you've got you know you've been through shit in your life and you look around and you think like these are the people that are in my life now because That's like who's withstood, you know, the test of time type of thing. And I'm feeling a lot more comfortable in who I am because this doesn't matter. You've probably gone through a couple of heartbreaks. Um, You've got, you know, you've got this resilience about you that makes you you excited to see what's ahead past 30.
0: And I reckon far less time. So way less time for shitty boyfriends. Way less time for competitive friends. Way less time for Mm. things that don't light you up. Um, You kind of get your priorities in place every year that you get older. Um, And let's not forget what a bloody blessing it is to even have another birthday. You know, so many people didn't get the chance to even experience their 30th birthday. So I'm all about, um, you know, I think that there's this real thing, particularly among women, where like, you know, another year older, you know, like, I don't want to share my age, they're embarrassed of it. Like, it's a bloody privilege. So let's stop with that.
2: I think it's a real blessing. And yeah, it's there's some real beauty in aging. Um, You know, even from a physical perspective, I think aging is really beautiful, but also like the wisdom that comes with aging, like in other cultures, like old women, uh, like literally revered in indigenous cultures, the the matriarchs are the the, the most um, valued. Yeah, they're 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 the the most valued. They're the most respected. They're the wisest, you know. And I think we're in a culture and a society that doesn't value women, that doesn't respect women, um, and that doesn't place the same kind of value and and reverence on women, um, which I think is a, a honestly, a really great kind of segue, I think, into what we're going to talk about, just like the way that women are treated um, in certain situations um, when it comes to like reproductive rights and stuff. So I'll let you do the the talking. I'm just like trying to
0: (laughs) Control the, the conversation. <laughs> no, this is just not you're here. We're here to listen to you and ask you questions. Um, well, let's get into it. I mean, I that yeah. one of the reasons why I approached you to talk about abortion um is because I knew that you were comfortable doing so, because you were very brave to share your story on your own podcast with your bestie Amy. Hey Amy. Yeah. Amy um is Jen's best friend, as I just mentioned, and she is a beloved member of the Peaches community. Um, what made you guys decide to do that episode on abortion and share both of your, your tales?
2: Yeah, I think, honestly, I don't know what possessed us, um, to, to kind of get so vulnerable with (laughs) the world, but I think it's just a really important conversation. I know that, um, in Australia, you know, the access to abortion is only just recently been you know, allowed in some states and territories. Um, I know that where I'm, where I am in in America, like reproductive rights are being stripped from women in states, you know, um, multiple states as we speak. And it's just, it's something that I feel very strongly about because, you know, as women, we should have autonomy over our bodies and what we choose to do, you know, it, there's no right or wrong, but the ability to choose what we do with our bodies shouldn't be taken away from us. And I think, you know, there was so much talk about everything last year that we, I think we just felt compelled to share our stories in the hope that it would help other people. And, you know, it was one of our most listened to podcast episodes and I think we've still got it up there. But, you know, for for two people that didn't have any kind of podcast um, knowledge or, you know, for our first episode, it was like a really ballsy Ballsy move. It but, was a power um, move. I loved it. <laughs> the amount of women that we had that reached out afterwards, um, you know, that's that's why we did it, you know, to to make people feel like they're um not alone. And I actually want to say I keep using the term women, but I want to actually stop saying that because it's not just women, well, all women, um, I think this needs to be edited, but <laughs> um, uh, I want to keep in mind the people, just all people that have uteruses, like there are trans um, yeah. trans people that uh, need abortions too. It's not just, yeah, people That's right. like women, that term women. Um, so I want to be as gender inclusive as possible
0: I mean, it, in my terminology. And we can talk about editing that out later, but I think one of the things we're trying to do with this podcast is just kind of let people know that it's okay if you fumble across something like the complex world of gender identity for a second. Like your intention is pure and what you were aiming to do was be inclusive. And, um, you know, I think think really what's important is that everyone is learning – and everyone is trying rather than being perfect all the time. Because if we are so fearful, I mean, I'm fearful. I'm fearful mm. after our episode with Peter that I might have said the wrong thing. Um, but, but the real- point of it is to
1: expand our minds, yes. expand other people's minds and to learn from it. And this is other people's stories as well. This isn't just generalised. These aren't just generalised topics either. Um, and I think it's really important that people understand that we really do We're using this as an education tool for ourselves, and hope that people can use this as an education tool for them. So,
0: and if you don't try, then no one gets better. And I mean, we're not going to be perfect, you know. Yeah. Um, Anyway, that was a real segue there, but I just thought that was worth touching on. Um, No, thank you, because I think a lot of people don't speak up about things with in fear that
2: they're going to get, you know, cancelled, air quote, cancelled, because they say the wrong thing, but. It's not about cancellation, it's about accountability and learning from your mistakes so that you can grow your knowledge and grow as a human and because we're complex beings and we're not perfect, like you said. No, and Jen,
1: you were saying that you have a master's um, and one of the masters you have is human rights. Am I correct? Yeah. Yeah. And um, Jen is an incredible person to follow, um, you're very, very, this is getting a little bit off topic, but someone who (laughs) I really find easy to follow when you are educating people on um, racism, women's rights and things like that, because you really debunk and break down kind of how people look at things and, and how you can learn. And you don't just say, don't say this, say that you actually provide resources where you can continue to learn. And I've used a lot of that. I've swiped up a lot of times on your things. So...
0: Thank you for Thanks. creating that space for people. Yeah, and no thank, you for, thank um, you for helping educate us. Um, your, your posts um, on Black Lives Matter have been really invaluable to me. Um, so if anyone is wanting to broaden their horizons in any of those regards, definitely check out Jen's Insta profile. Um, but taking it back to the subject that we are unpacking today, um, would you like to share your story, Jen?
2: yeah so um i don't know when was it i think it was 2017 i had an abortion um i guess that's that's the in a nutshell (laughs) um but it was a real um it was a really difficult thing for me um i wasn't intentionally trying to get pregnant I did everything possible prior to getting pregnant in order to not get pregnant, but I did anyway. So it was extremely, I guess, traumatic for me in that sense because I didn't understand how I got pregnant. Um, Can you talk our listeners
0: through the processes that you went through?
2: Yeah, so I was, um, I don't know, I've been on birth control pretty much since I can remember Um, and I was on a holiday with some of my friends and, you know, like you do on any girl's trip, you have a little bit of fun, you meet some random cuties in bars and, um, you know, things happen. And, um, I thought I was being safe. Um, and you know, something, something happened. Like, I don't know if the condom broke or if the guy stealthed me, which is also very common. Um, but I you know, was like, I'm still going to, I'm not sure because I was drinking. Um, I'll go to this, the chemist in the town and get the morning after pill just to be, just to be safe. So I was on the pill. I took the morning after pill and I still became pregnant. Um, I actually at the time had also contracted E. coli from being in a uh, remote country that didn't have, you know, the, the, the best hygiene standards. So, um, birth control, morning after pill and a um, really, really bad <laughs> bacterial gastro infection. Um, something didn't take, some, whether it was the birth control, the morning after pill or both of them or all of them, I don't know. But yeah, I wound up pregnant like three I think it was like about two months later, I realized I was pregnant, but I didn't realize that I was um, until my friend, just jokingly, I was really sick. And I was, you know, I had really, really poor boundaries around my my work. I was traveling a lot for work. Um, so I just thought I was jet lagged, um, didn't put any of the, the fatigue or sickness because I was still, I was living in London, I was partying. So I was like, oh, I'm just hungover. I'm just tired. I'm just this. And and didn't kind of put two and two together, um, yeah, until my friend was like, do you want to just do a pregnancy test? I was like, no, there's no way that I'm pregnant. Like, I'm, I'm like, I haven't had sex in, like, two, three months. Like, there's no way. Like, no. <laughs> uh, and I peed on the stick and I was pregnant. And I was like, that's what the fuck? <laughs> not possible. <laughs> um, and because in my head, too, I had done everything right in on my holiday, I didn't even think that that was an option. So I actually started panicking because I thought it was a guy that I had been dating that we had we'd last slept together in about December, November, December. So in my mind, I was then thinking, For "Oh the my line. god, I am way further along than I think. I might like I might have to have this baby, like because at this point, it like and I." I hate referring to it as a baby because it, you know, it it isn't a baby yet, but I went there. My head went to the worst possible scenario and I was panicked. I was in another country on the other side of the world. I Gosh. was like, what the fuck do I do? You That's know, it's <laughs> terrifying.
0: It's honestly um, so terrifying.
2: Yeah. And so I handled it the best way possible with one of my girlfriends and booked myself in for a girls staycation at a really nice hotel and got drunk. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect um, way of
0: <laughs> processing those emotions, girlfriend. Therapy, we call that <laughs> therapy. <laughs> um and I don't
2: I, I don't regret that at all, but um yeah, it was just it was a really it was a weird time too because I then had to figure out, you know, in because I thought I was, I think at that point, I thought I was like maybe three or four months along. Um, So I had to A, research if I could could actually terminate the pregnancy. Um, And then I was like, you know, at this point too, I'm spiraling. So I'm not mentally like, well, um, and I'm okay to admit that, but I was I basically was like, my life is over. Um, I don't want to have a baby right now. Uh, I can't afford a baby right now. I have to give up on my dreams. I have to go home, and I have to face the shame of my family. I grew up um, in a Catholic household, and the, I guess the guilt and shame of a having a, a kid outside of marriage is something that even though I'm so okay with now, I still feel that residual shame from my grandmother and, and like my mom, like when I told her that I was pregnant, you know, she immediately asked me about the, you know, quote father. And I'm like, it's not about the father. It's about me and my body and what I, I want to do or don't want to do right now. Like I don't care about him. It's not his decision. And I don't know who it is. Like, I don't know. (laughs) Um, and yeah, so there was a lot of things going through my head. I ended up, you know, going to, Um, one of the, I guess, I don't know if it was a fertility clinic. It was no, it was like a... Was it still in London at the time? Yeah, I was in London. Um, so I was really grateful that it's, you know, such a good healthcare system as well. Um, so yeah, I went to this like pregnancy clinic and I had the ultrasound and it was only 13 weeks pregnant. Um, so that was a huge relief, but it was like to still, I was still pregnant, you know, um, I had these dreams of being an international model. I hadn't got to New York yet. Like all of these things, these dreams that I had for myself, I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm not going to be able to do that. And in saying that I do have the utmost respect for people that do choose to keep their pregnancies that do, um, change the course of their lives to have a baby. And, you know, for me in that moment, I just knew that it wasn't what I wanted to do. It wasn't part of my life plan. Um, and I know that when it is the right time, that same person that was like in me, I guess in that way, that same soul is going to come back to me when it's the right time for me. But it's still, it's still something that, I think about, not every day, but like, when my friends say that they're pregnant, it it does make me emotional because I do still think, well, what if I can't have a baby again? Like, what if that was my one chance? What if, like, there's so many complex things, I think, that, you know, you don't go into having an abortion lightly, Um, and then there's so much trauma that gets carried through having that, that we also don't talk about, and Jen, can I
1: ask? It's so you,
2: nuanced.
1: Can I ask you something? Um, as you're talking, while you're talking about your experience, you obviously got quite triggered about, you know, taking mm. it back. Um, the triggering is that when, like, do you become emotional when you think about the experience and what you went through, or is it the like any kind of guilt or shame around it? Like what, what sets you off the
2: most? Um, it's the guilt. It's the guilt that, yeah, like it's, 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 such a difficult thing. I think like, like I do get emotional, but um, as women, you know, we're, we're given this beautiful opportunity to bring life into the world. But like, It just wasn't my time. It wasn't – I wasn't ready. And when I do have kids, I want to be able to give them – at least, like, for me, I want to be able to give them the best life possible, and that's always how I've envisioned having kids, and
0: it it wasn't then. I think it's really important to remember that, like – it's you're a person too you're a fresh budding rose too not not the potential of a pregnancy like yeah I um
1: I think now's perfect time for me to share my story I had an abortion in 2016 Jen and now I have the life I never thought I could have imagined and mine it wasn't even an experience of a one-night stand mine was with partner now Brett who I was already five years into our relationship um, and I fell pregnant and it just wasn't the right time on paper it was pretty much the right time our closest friends had just started having children their first kids Um, my best friend Amy when she picked up that I was pregnant purely by looking at my boobs Um, she, she knows
0: your body girl. She was, (laughs) she
1: was pretty much eight or nine months pregnant and we were standing in a park and, um, she looked at my boobs and I knew I was pregnant and she was like, are you pregnant? And I just looked at her. Now this is my best friend who knows me better than anybody. And she would have been over the moon if we were about to have kids together, but she knew that that was just not on the cards for me at that time Mm. and she just looked at me and I can still remember this is the most like emotional thing for me to talk about because she just hugged me and she knew what I was going to do and we didn't even have to say anything to each other you know and I think um the whole experience of having gone through that abortion wasn't emotional for me having made that decision. I do not regret that decision for one minute. I was such a lost little soul. I was nannying at the time. I had no idea what I wanted to do in my life. I was making, you know, casual money. I hadn't even gotten my Pilates certificate. I was still attending Pilates as a client. Um, And I look back now and I'm so proud of that decision I made because I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now. I would have a I would have a child now, and you know, I don't know what that path would have led me down, but Jen, like you made the right decision by listening to yourself, and it's it's not a decision out of being selfish, it's a decision of, of self-care and self-love because it's your body. And having a yeah. child is the biggest responsibility you're ever going to ta- like to have. Like those little like children, those little little things, they take up so much time, so much space, and if you're not ready, you're not ready. You don't have to have fallen pregnant through a traumatic experience. Um,
0: yes. You can
1: have fallen pregnant with a partner of five years or a one-night stand like. And I think that the word "abortion and termination" is almost like a dirty word. It feels like a dirty mm-hmm. word, and the experience of having a termination and having an abortion feels dirty when you're doing it because it's so secretive. It's like you're hustled underground and you're sneaking into this clinic and then you're doing this thing that like back in the day was, well, even still now is illegal in so many places. And it just feels like you're doing the wrong thing, even though in your heart, you know, you're doing the right thing, but all the external factors tell you that you're doing the wrong thing. And I think, and then you walk out of the clinic. I walked out of the clinic And there was people there with posters of fetuses showing them at me, screaming the Hail Mary at me. I'm like, for fuck's sake, are you kidding me? Like, this is hard enough. Yeah. So I just, like, I really hope you know that, like, if you look at the position I'm in now, I made that same decision that you did around the same time. Um, And I also want you to know I have done extensive research on termination and abortion. It's has no link to fertility um in fact i remember <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> i remember my I'm doctor done. i remember the so yeah. doctor because yeah. beck beck was pretty anxious about this and she spoke to her doctor yeah i was length. like
1: is this going to affect my fertility this is before like i've had the procedure and he was like yeah. um you can have several abortions and it won't affect your fertility it's one of the safest medical procedures that you can yeah. get and one more thing yeah <laughs> the morning after pill, girls, <laughs> I want to make this very clear. The morning after pill doesn't work if you're in the middle of your ovulation. So what the morning pill actually does is stops you
2: from ovulating. So if you... Ov- okay, I did not know that. I know. So if you're... It also ov- doesn't work if you're over a certain weight. So it's oh. actually really not... Wow, not I did good. not know because that. Because
0: it's yeah. not potent enough or... yeah. There yeah. you go. That's and ridiculous. Another... They should just have, like, doses.
1: And this comes down to education. Yeah. Like, we don't know these things until we're caught in a situation that we don't want to be in.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm i coming at this from such a different perspective. Like, I, I struggled to get pregnant. Um. And yeah. I'd, I've never had a scare. And I remember um, before we started trying, I actually – I mean, I don't want to sound insensitive because I can I, I have not walked in the shoes of a woman or, or a person who's had to terminate a pregnancy. But I actually remember saying to Beck, I almost, there's this weird part of me that almost wishes I'd had a scare. And I've heard that from women a lot. This, this feeling of at least, you know, like you know, you know that your body can do the right thing. And I think fertility and it's ugh, the complex world of, Of you know, reproductive rights is so in depth, and the most important thing for us to you know take away from this conversation is that it is so personal and um, specific to the person who's experiencing it. You know, like Beck said, you don't have to have had something absolutely awful happen, for example, you know, um, people who get pregnant from things like rape and assault, you could have been in a long-term relationship where everything's set up, you're stable and you still aren't ready to have a baby and that is okay.
2: Yeah. I think, like, it was really interesting when I was doing research for, like, that podcast episode. I did a poll on my um, Instagram asking, you know, out of my followers who had had abortions, obviously completely private. I'm never going to tell anyone who clicked yes or no, but, like, the amount of people including people that are very close to me that I wouldn't have ever thought would have had an abortion because of their, like, views have had abortions. Wow. (laughs) And I think it's just, like, because we are told not to talk about it because it is so, like, shameful or there's, like, shame instilled in us by this fucked-up society. Mm. Um, We don't talk about it and we don't come together as women, as a community of, you know, people with uteruses that can help each other that can you know share knowledge share wisdom and help each other through it like you know we've lost that sense of community I think um that's why it's really important we're doing a conversation like this you know
1: I I also think that the conversation around abortion and termination can be light like Mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be this deep conversation like if you're having a conversation with your girlfriends or you know family members and things like that like it's the thing that I think frustrates me so much with abortion is the heaviness that's linked to it of course it's it's a it's a pretty deep experience to go through, but i remember I remember my I took my mum to my abortion. Um, Brett was so, so supportive, and he you know was right there at home afterwards, but I really wanted to take mum purely just because I knew that she had experienced the same thing in 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 the past and um she's spoken open to openly about it to me which also helped make my decision so much lighter because it was like well you know mum's done it she's fucking human too yeah and um I remember she took me to the clinic it was in Surrey Hills and we sat down and it was just all really you know everyone's just kind of sitting there like cattle in the docks waiting to be shot. Yeah. And um, mum looked around. She goes, oh, they've painted the place since I last been. Like, (laughs) just to kind of be like, shed light on it, you know. And I think it's important just to have a light conversation. Not everything has to be heavy to make you feel like an intervention. Not everything has to be an intervention.
2: Yeah. And I think I also want to say, like, you brought your mum to your appointment. I do... You know, I feel like sometimes I'm a little little harsh on my mom, but she did, you know, obviously ask me a few questions that I felt were a bit, like, intrusive. But I also know that she did support my decision when I chose to make the decision that I made. Um, And for, for me, like, with her being raised the way that she was raised, I see that as a really beautiful and big step of her. And, like, you know, I think that's all you want is the support and, and knowing that whatever you do choose to do, your decision is supported no matter what.
0: Yeah, absolutely. What I um, found to be really helpful and insightful during the episode that you recorded with Amy, here if you need, is the podcast. Any listeners out there who would like to um, dive deeper into this subject after this episode, um, is that you both talked through... The actual process, and I think that that a um, kind of made someone who is you know like myself who is very really naive to the to the subject um, understand not only um, it was sort of multifaceted because part of me was like oh like the pr- it's not this you know they're not getting a fucking coat hanger you know what I mean like people try to dramatize it it, it can be a, something as simple as a pill that you take or it can be a um, a Um, A procedure where you you are put to sleep, but it's not um, a violent occurrence. But on the flip side, it also made me understand that it's not a one day thing. Um, It is a process, um, particularly if you do take medication of having a bleed and having to deal with the repercussions of that. Um, And I wondered if you would be kind enough to share that process with our listeners today.
2: Yeah. um, So I had a medical abortion I think it's it's like I got put under anesthesia yeah Yeah, I got put under anesthesia the (laughs) the doctor at the time was hilarious because he made a joke that he was giving me free drugs and I was like woo and then I woke up and I (laughs) was in a waiting room and I'd had my procedure I was like yay free drugs (laughs) (laughs) um but I yeah, like the next day, I, I mean, like I I understood the, the procedure that it was like a vacuum um, and it was like basically sucking the cells and like uh, embryonic tissue or whatever. I don't know. I'm just sounding like fancy now with my terminology. Um, but sucking it out of you and that would be it. I thought that after my procedure, I could go to work the, ne- the next day. And um, that and is you did not do that, advisable. You? Yeah, I flew to Mexico to film a TV commercial.
1: It's interesting, um, though, because it's <laughs> not something you call the boss and be like, hey, like if you had had a miscarriage, you would have like more than likely had given them the heads up that you had miscarriage. But if you have an abortion or a termination, you're not really calling into work and being like, hey, guys, um, had a termination yesterday,
2: not feeling great.
0: That's that taboo again, isn't it? Mm-hmm. That damn taboo. Yeah.
2: Yeah, and I think, like, maybe – I don't know. I think there's a lot to be said about my my boundaries of, around, like, my work culture. But I also think that, um, yeah, I was too afraid or, like, not even afraid, but I felt like there was so much stigma and shame attached to being honest about what had just happened to me that I basically went to a – yeah. T- filming of a tv commercial in mexico so it was just like i was in swimwear the whole time after a procedure like that you can't uh wear a tampon because you're still like open and, and raw so putting in a tampon would cause like infection um but i also couldn't wear a pad because i was in swimwear um and I don't know, this is like probably TMI
0: and like everyone's going to listen, but whatever. There's no um, such thing as TMI you. on the Peaches podcast, FYI. <laughs> and if you think it's TMI, then you don't need to listen, mate. That's my message so maybe there. Maybe you do need to listen. Oh, yeah. Or open your ears and your heart. <laughs> Continue Jen. yeah. But
2: um, yeah, I just remember lying to the stylist and said, uh, I need to go lie down. I'm having the worst cramps of my life. Uh, this is the worst period I've ever had in my life, and in a way, technically, it was a period. Um, I didn't, I didn't realize that I would be bleeding uh, as heavily for the next couple of days afterwards. Um, but I remember just sitting on the the toilet because I had to just excuse myself because it was just yeah, so much, so much stuff coming out of me, <laughs> and I was just sitting in the toilet just like for two hours, passing blood, and. Um, I no one told me about that. You know, no one told me that that was going to happen. I was like, well, I have to shoot swimwear tomorrow, so I'm going to have to stop this somehow. What if it doesn't stop? Like, then there was all that other, like, anxiety of like, well, what if I can't even do my job? I'm in Mexico and I can't wear a swimsuit, like, because I'm going to ruin it because I'm bleeding. Like, there was just... You haven't even had time to process what you have just
1: gone through. You're worried about, you're processing the fact that you can't wear swimwear.
2: Yeah. And so then I've also got to perform like I'm happy. (laughs) I'm like frolicking on a beach and I'm in a lot of pain. Like it's just, yeah, there's periods of my life prior that I, now look back on and, and thank, thank you therapy that I've realized, you know, I just didn't, I didn't have a handle on things and I wasn't acknowledging and taking time to acknowledge like pain and trauma and suffering and allowing myself to heal and feel and be okay with emotion. And, you know, like rather than pushing through actually stopping and allowing myself yeah to go through the full human emotional cycle, like it's, it's, it's okay to take time to process these things, you know. It's like it's a huge trauma in the body and it does take a long time. Like, you know, obviously want you, you, you want to keep the conversations lighthearted sometimes and joke about it, but it is a huge trauma that does happen to the body and it's something that things take a while to recover from, you know. Um, I think if it was everywhere. spoken about more as well though you wouldn't feel
1: so alone in the process yeah Um, exactly like you don't it's not a conversation that's really
0: kind of brought up um I'm mind blown that you weren't prepared for the amount that you would bleed um I think that for any woman who's experienced a miscarriage they're prepared for that and essentially it it, like you said it's it's a very similar process it's Mm. your uterus shedding uh the contents um And the fact that you weren't prepared for that is is very sad to me. But anyone who's listening who may be about to go through this process, you know, you've you've empowered them with that knowledge and given them a toolkit um, of not only what to expect physically, but also, you know, the way that you touched on therapy and giving yourself the permission to feel and process things then just sparks that. Um, sparks that little fire in in other people as well. Like I, that definitely hit a nerve with me um, when you talked about um, just carrying on and you know not not dwelling on how you're feeling. That is something that I am 100 percent guilty of. I find it very difficult sometimes to process um, my own trauma or, or even just feelings. Like if I if I, if I don't feel 100, um, percent the word performing is like that hits a nail on the head, and I think. With B&I's jobs, we do a lot of that for our community. Yep. Um, I touched on, in my um, birth story episode, I touch on the fact that there were so many times in the studio or um, in our little live recording studio where I would have started um, bleeding just before I had to teach a class. And the way that I was able to just push all of that to the side, whack a smile on my dial and you know put it down to professionalism, yeah, that's great, but also like, was I actually doing myself a service or should I have taken the time to be like, you know what, Tori, you don't, the world's not going to end if we cancel the class. Yeah. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah. But I think, <coughs> sorry, I think too, and like, it's like a separate tangent, but as like a small business owners, I'm a freelancer. The ability to say no to work in those kinds of moments, it is really different to like if you're on a salary or like have a full-time really steady income stream as well. Like there are so many, and I think this is important in, in, in most aspects, like maybe even sometimes why people don't follow through with a termination is because they can't, they can't take the time off or they can't, you know, do certain things like uh, they can't afford even to get an abortion. So they have to like follow through, you know, there are so many factors Stacked up against so many people um, that lead to these decisions, or like not decisions, but like lead to these situations. Um, for me, like, yeah, taking days off work back, back then wasn't an option. I couldn't yeah. afford to take a day off work because I was living in London by myself. <laughs> like, and you're also worried you know, if you the, don't do that job, then it won't lead on to
0: other jobs. It's exactly,
1: yeah, it's,
2: it's a domino it's a effect.
0: Yeah, mm. the power of saying no is massive. Is that yeah.
2: is that your little friend? Did, did you just
1: hear <laughs> my dog? <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, Jen became a fur a fur parent this year.
2: A fur parent, yeah. I keep saying he's my baby, and then um, everyone's like, "Oh my gosh, that's so exciting!" And then I show people
0: a picture of my dog, and they're like, "Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my god!" My I, honestly, <laughs> I have a I have a human baby and a fur baby, and I can one hundred percent say that whenever when you get a pet you become a parent and I'm so excited for people when they, when they get a pet and I congratulate them because it is the most beautiful journey. It's the best. Yeah. Um, He's the best. (laughs) Jen, um, talking about, you know, being kind to yourself, um, and then finding ways to support yourself through things like therapy or, um, just a little bit of patience with, with, you know, your emotional process. Um, let's take that to the support of friends and family. Um, who who supported you and and um if there was someone who supported you really well what was it that they that they did that helped
2: um so most of my friends were like super supportive at the time obviously my friend amy um she just was on the phone to me most of the time cuz she'd gone through something really similar so i think in that sense she was like you're going to be fine like I've done it before, you'll be fine. Like you know, it'll be tough, but you know, just make sure you go to therapy and talk through it. Um, but when I was in London, one of my friends, she came with me um, to get the procedure and then came with me home. And then my housemates at the time were such angels, and like they'd made me a care package for when I got home. They'd got me like a magazine and some chocolate, and like just basically told me to just rest in bed and. Which, like, it was just really nice. I had, like, a little community around me. Um, uh, So that was really good. And I think, yeah, just even amongst my friends now, you know, I think healing healing takes time. And, you know, obviously I'm still emotional when I talk about it. So it's not something that I – I don't know if I'll ever properly, you know – be like okay to the point that I don't cry because like I feel like crying is fine it's you know it's feeling you know it's part of being human but um I think even being able to share my story with my friends or talk about their experiences and the more yeah you create a community of like-minded people around you that have gone through similar things I think it makes it easier to like navigate that post post procedural world or like whatever emotions that arise like You know, in the the six months after or the three years after, like you could think you're completely fine and then something will come up and you're like, whoa, I didn't realize that that still affected me. But you can then turn to your friends that have all been through the same thing or that you've told about your journey and they'll be there to help you and support you.
0: I mean, sharing is caring, isn't it? In its most simple, <laughs> in its most yeah. simplest explanation, that's really what I hear there. Um, and I think that women are so amazing at that, at um, just sharing their experience of something similar, you know, lets you know that you're not alone. Um, and that's what you're doing for us today, which is pretty powerful. Yeah.
2: I also just think because of everything that's going on right now, and like, the real resurgence of these, like, archaic, patriarchal, I'm not even going to call them values because they're not values. They're just, like, horrible, horrible rules being imposed on people. Um, it makes it more important now than ever to, to really stand together um, and support people in these situations and educate people in these situations and make safe access to reproductive health Um, available to everyone in these situations um because yeah um an attack on reproductive health is an attack on women's freedom it's an attack on women's rights it's an attack on women's autonomy and like you know it really puts us back it puts us back and i think we've made such progress in empowerment in you know all of these things and you know that's partially why I think some of these laws are being passed because a lot of these men are, are terrified that we're finally rising up and reclaiming our power. But um, we need to stick together and and really, um, yeah, make it make it ac- accessible and, and affordable. And you know,
0: and such a big part yeah, of that Jen, is actually everyone. talking about it. Yes, you know, exactly. And I think it's really important for people to remember. Um, if you are someone who's on the fence about um, things like abortion being legal, just remember that you don't have to need one or want one. If you fall pregnant and decide to continue the pregnancy, that's okay, but you need to allow people to have the right to choose what's right for them. I mean, it was like when the whole um, gay marriage thing was happening in Australia, which obviously was so far overdue it was embarrassing mm-hmm. and it, like you just need to put put it in the in the sense of like you, you don't need to marry someone of the same sex you just need to allow people to live their lives and I think it, it comes down to that with abortion as well.
1: I yeah. just want to know like how does it affect them in the long run anyway like at the end of the day <laughs> whether you Marry a man or a woman or a trans or, like, it doesn't matter who you marry. How is it affecting you personally? And it's the exact same as an abortion. How is me having an abortion affecting someone I don't even know?
0: I mean, in some ways, it's actually a service because um, one of the worst possible things you can do for the environment is bring a human into the world, uh, if we're really frank about it. And, um, you know, you could also be putting pressure on the healthcare system, on the um, the, so, the social system. services system. I mean yeah. that, you know, to have a child born into this world, it is such a big responsibility and they deserve to be, to have love and affection and care and all of that stuff. And I, I was definitely, um, I was talking to Beck about this when I had Isabella, um, my daughter, I started getting all these really weird triggering thoughts when I was looking after her, um, just thinking about how awful it would be if someone wasn't caring for her properly. Like if someone was just leaving her to cry and cry and cry, or if someone um, wasn't changing her nappy so that she was getting burnt on the skin by, you know, um, by, by her um, waist, just sitting there for too long. Um, And I think that this is, this can happen when children are born into the world and someone wasn't, isn't ready to take care of them. Um, and, yeah, it's just funny how when you, when you become a parent, you start to think about all those things. And I guess I have even more respect now for anyone out there who has had that procedure because you damn well wouldn't want, want to do it unless you, you're ready um, because it, you're 100% closing a chapter in your life and you're opening up a new one. Um, and that's not something that people should take lightly and you know pe- people always say things like oh you're never ready to become a parent you know all of that stuff it's never the right time but actually you are we are allowed to choose we are allowed to choose yeah. when the time is right for us I knew the difference yeah.
1: like five years on I was still nervous to have a baby when I found out I was pregnant but I knew that there was I wasn't taking the option that I did five years prior um and I, I feel so grateful that I had the option to do that and I had the support because it really saddens me that there are women in countries where like obviously in the states but even far past that that, that there's that yeah. that isn't even a word like you know th- that's just like the old school backyard procedures where not only like I was saying before that abortions um if done you know, by qualified medical professionals, it is one of the most safest procedures to have like women die having abortions because of infections mm-hmm. afterwards. Like we have a space in Australia, um, well, as, as we do to legally ha- take that option. And I think in Australia, if we've got the legal option now, the, the next step is to just like talk about it, you know, talk about the resources, educate it. Check in on friends. Like, one in three women will experience abortion in their lifetime. Like, go to a, a, din- a dinner party with a bunch of people, look around and count that. One in three of those women would most likely have had an abortion. Yeah.
0: Um, has anybody seen, um, I believe it's on Netflix, it's called... Oh, you are telling me Never, Sometimes, Often, Always. I think I've got that right. If you haven't, I you would haven't. recommend anyone to watch that movie, Um, actually particularly men or or penis owners, um, because it really sheds light on the process that you go through when you need to terminate a pregnancy. Um, And the reason that the movie is called um, Never, Sometimes, Often, Always is because um, when this young girl is going through the process of Um, her termination she has a session with a therapist first which is sort of mandatory and they just need to basically check that um, that she is okay and that she's not being forced into doing anything she doesn't want to do and they ask a series of questions and some of them are really full-on things like you know does your partner Um, force you to have sex without protection you can all you need to say is never sometimes often always and things like that and then they talk Mm -hmm. about things like um, physical violence and emotional violence and stuff like that and um, the reason why I say that it would be really important for men or penis owners to watch that movie is because I don't think they understand that a decision made in the heat of the moment of whether it's stealthing someone, which if anyone doesn't know that term, it's when you say, from my understanding, please correct me if I'm wrong. From my understanding, it's saying that you are wearing protection when in fact you are not, um, and the repercussions that can come from that, or even you know just just the, the little the little um, peer pressure things that we've all had a shitty boyfriend say to us in the past. Oh, a condom doesn't feel good. Do you know what feels worse? Getting pregnant when you're not ready. P- pushing um, a baby yeah. out. Pushing a fucking baby out. Yeah. I don't feel good. <laughs> Can confirm after recently doing that. No, no. No, no. Um, so I don't really know where I was going with that other than recommending it. Um, because she likes to go
1: into depth. It was when, brilliant. When you get a recommendation off Tori for a Netflix, um, movie or show, <laughs> tell you all you'll, about it. you'll get everything you need to know. Um,
0: I want to make an informed decision yes, when I'm watching a new show. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Jen, we talked about how, um, your friends and family supported you and what they did that made you feel safe and cared for. What? was unhelpful um what are things that um that people should avoid if they're trying to support someone when they're having this procedure um
2: I think a big thing is um if someone does tell you that they're having this procedure done it's not it's not common knowledge for everyone else to know either I think like that information because of the shame and stigma still associated with it I think, you know, you need to take that information to the vault unless it's something that is, like, it's life-threatening to someone else. I know that someone close to me told someone else that was close to me without my permission, and it kind of really hurt because I thought it was, you know, I thought it was a, a information between just the two of us. And, um, you know, it, it's fine, but, like, I think, you know, it is such a personal thing, such a personal decision that you do want to feel safe in those kinds of situations. And sometimes having just extra, extra chatter in, in your brain and in your decision-making um, is sometimes not necessarily the best thing, but. um
0: hundred percent. And yeah, I, think- I think,
2: I think also just like offering your, your, your two cents, like don't, don't offer your opinion. Like that hasn't happened to me. I don't know if it has actually, I, who cares, but like, if you don't agree with someone getting an, a termination, don't unload that onto them because it's already hard enough. Like it's such a hard decision anyway. Like I said, like the the thought of what I've I did, it's still with me today. Like I know I made the right decision, but that guilt that I feel, it will be with me forever. So, having someone else tell me <laughs> their opinion on what I'm choosing to do with my body, it's just unhelpful.
0: Mm massively
2: so I get very passionate I was like it's just don't
0: do it like do not apologize that's huge that's a huge subject and that's a huge thing to bring up I kind of want to um make a little note about um you mentioning uh keeping keeping a secret a secret and it doesn't have to be on something as big as a termination it could be anything I think that we have this weird thing, particularly among girls, where it's like, oh, yeah, um, I'll keep your secret, apart from to my best friend and oh, apart from to my, my husband and my partner, I'm very passionate about keeping someone's business their business. If someone tells me something in confidence, I'm not going to then go and tell even Chris or even my best friend. It is truly sacred when someone comes to you vulnerable and share something really personal about themselves and it's happened to me before it's happened to me a couple of times where I've had really good friends betray my confidence and then the secret has come out in really traumatic ways Mm um I'm going to share the it's kind of a big one um I had in an episode recently I shared that I was assaulted um and I had told a good friend of mine and um at, like, a random party, this drunk girl who I barely knew, who was the flatmate mm-hmm. of my friend, said, oh, yeah, I heard you got, like, slashed or something. She said something, and it honestly was such a fucked-up experience for me because yeah. I was just sort of, like, gobsmacked, and I I didn't want to fucking talk about it, particularly at with a party. you. Particularly at a party. And I just – I wasn't ready. I, I, I was there to have a good time, not to air out my dirty laundry. And – um. But it's think, not a dirty laundry No, something. No, 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 no it's, it's not. not. Like, but, um, and it's yeah, like things like that have happened to me a few times, and I just think, oh, can we all get over this thing of like um of, of it being okay to share someone else's business? I think, you know, it doesn't matter if it's your closest friend or if it's your partner, if someone shares something with you in confidence, then respect it. Um, because trust is everything.
2: I've been I've been guilty of being that person that has actually shared information and like it and I'm, I'm not proud of it but it like it comes out because there is that like incessant incessant is not the right word but like i think there is this thing that you know a lot of a lot of us like to gossip we love to share people's news and and like that's almost that like first yeah and yeah, then it's I, a hunger I actually for realized it. yeah i realized i realized that it was not healthy it was damaging some of my relationships but also I was like actually that's not my story to tell like I don't know if she wants that out there so it's like she's told me and she speaks openly about that with me but that's not my that's not then f- for me to to pass on in in another in another circle of friends of friends mm. whether or not we know them or not I just think like I don't know I'm just being caught it, up in it it so. also
1: can demoralize the significance of the story itself once yeah. it gets passed on from person to person besides the fact it ends up being chinese whispers anyway it's it's like a currency well it just pushes yeah. what the story was down and and that like you know a termination or an assault you know that that's a huge huge trauma that somebody goes through yeah. and if that's just passed on to somebody else the, ins- the insignificance of what that means to somebody just kind of gets thrown out the window. And that's not the point of sharing things about assault or sharing things about termination. We're trying to kind of normalize, you know, conversation about it, not making it gossip. hundred percent. I mean, ju- that, yeah, I there's, think there's like the difference between talking about somebody's experience and not dropping any names and educating somebody on it rather than gossiping.
0: I also want to share yeah. that, like, I'm no freaking angel and I 100% would have, you know, told us someone's secret to my friend back in the day. Yeah. But I think that as you get older, you learn and... Um, we've all got that best friend that we've done that to. Yeah. And like... Yeah. And, you know, the friend who, who, who did that felt awful mm. and d- didn't even realise the weight of it at the time. But I just do think it's worth us discussing on this podcast because it is something that I just keep seeing memes about it lately. And I'm like, no, hold on. Let's not normalize that. That's not cool. Yeah. Um, wow. We're really having a little segue here, aren't we? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Jen, we kind of touched on the, you know, the recent law changes, particularly in the U.S. and places like Texas. Um, when I was doing some research for this episode, I was shocked and appalled to learn that um not all of australia has had abortion be legal for a long time in fact in south australia they only caught up with the rest of the country and made abortion legal in 2021 um which was a shock to me and i guess i just wanted to hear your thoughts on um you know you've um you're an expat and you're experiencing different cultures and different approaches to things um for example i think that you're um your openness to things like therapy is definitely uh, the influence of American culture um, on you. I think that's Mm. really awesome. I think that Americans are really good at owning that. Um, Do you think that there is a difference in the approach to things like reproductive health in, in countries like Australia compared to countries like the UK and America?
2: Hmm. That's actually a really good question. I, I, I think so. I think Australia is a lot more conservative than they want to admit that they are. Um, so I think a lot of these issues are still seen as, as more taboo. They're not spoken about as openly. Um, you know, I think I, I look at like some podcast hosts and like the topics of conversations and it makes me feel a little bit uncomfortable not because of what they're talking about, but it's like how I've been brought up and it's actually like something that I I had spoke about it the other day. It's like actually something I have to check within myself because it's like why is this making me feel uncomfortable? It's because I haven't spoken about it. It's because it, it isn't widely discussed amongst like my peers. It's not these women being outspoken and you know speaking their mind or, or bringing up like con- like air quote controversial topics the controversy is actually how we've been raised to think about these issues. They're not controversial. It's like, so things like reproductive health, um, just a a multitude of like other things. I I definitely think, you know, we in Australia have, uh, it's like a little bit prudish, (laughs) Um, like, yeah, very conservative mind, uh, very conservative mindset, I think. And like where, unfortunately not as progressive as i think a lot of us like to to think we are wow. with a lot of things you know i think even like ra- like racial advances acceptment of indigenous culture like we're so not where we need to be um agree yeah, and the fact that you know abortion was only legalized in one of our states like last year this year and like the,
1: um the, the rest yeah, of
2: the, the country was pretty
1: much around 2018, 2019. When I had my abortion, it was illegal. Um, But there was the clinic um, in Surrey Hills that I went to. It's actually called the clinic. Um, And I didn't know that it was illegal until I went and saw my doctor afterwards. So you actually don't need to tell your doctor that you're pregnant. You can just call the clinic. Um, I think that's really important to know as well. Um, If you just pee on a stick um, or a couple of sticks... Um, You can just call the clinic, let them know that you're pregnant. They will ask you the date of your last period and then they will tell you the earliest date that you can come in. And um, I went in, went through the the procedure, same procedure that Jen had, and then um, I went to my doctor about a week afterwards to kind of let him know, even though I didn't have to, but I had a really close relationship with my doctor. And he actually told me, because I was telling him about the people out the front um how they had like their signs and you know chanting their hail marys and um he was like you know it's he said to me you know it's illegal to have an abortion like in new south wales i was like what i just had one and he goes no when you were getting your um consult with the actual doctor did he ask you a list of questions and i was like i'm not ready i'm not this i'm not that and they just sign off that you are mentally Mm -hmm. and emotionally unstable so if you are deemed emotionally unfit to have a child then it's legal,
0: mm. yeah. It's it's a really it's a really weird one. I had a um, friend go through that when we were really young. Like I'm talking, mm. I don't even think we were twenty yet, and she fell pregnant. Um, and you know, <laughs> we were so far from ready for things like like kids. And I remember her feeling so distressed at the thought that it wasn't legal, and she didn't know. Would she have to go somewhere else to get it and all of that stuff? And, um, you know, we, we did some research together and I was like, okay, no, it's fine. You just need to say that it would be to your detriment to, you know, of your health or your mental state. Um, you know, let's oh, if they're going to do that, just make it bloody legal. And they, they yeah. finally have. Um, yeah. Jen, this might feel like a really obvious um, answer to this question, particularly after all of our discussions on the show today, um, but I would like to kind of round off this conversation um, for any listeners out there who might be wondering if it's really necessary. And when I say it, I mean reproductive health rights, um, you know, if they're, if they're against abortion or if they're like, oh, do we really need this? Like, can't people just, you know, use protection and we don't need to go there? Why is it so Jen's, important Jen's Jen's like like my eyes. <laughs> point. But why is it so important in 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 your mind, Jen, for young women to be able to have access to reproductive health services? Go
2: get them, Jen. <laughs> because reproductive health is a access to reproductive health is a human right. and the, to be able to have access to safe, affordable, legal, um, services, you know, it makes the difference, you know, to uh, a lot of people's lives, and to to not, to deny that. Well, yeah, it's it's a violation of of basic human rights um, to deny freedom to people that own uteruses. Is um, it uteri? I don't know. Uteruses you should know this. I
0: don't know. I don't think I it's uterine. No, but I <laughs> it like, Sounds like bad. a UTI. <laughs> <It's> kind of cute. <laughs> <laughs> Us and all elderly, you drive. We've all got one and we don't yeah. know. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it just, it,
2: it, it, the denial of the right to choose strips women of their autonomy, you know? And I think, you know, when we talk about equality and moving forward in these advances, and I think I mentioned earlier, you know, uh, a, a, a small select group of old <sighs> white men uh, trying to, take away the the autonomy, the power that a lot of women have fought so hard over the, the years to gain for, you know, the collective. Um, and by stripping us of these rights, it's, it's um, in the wish to control us and to basically, yeah, take away our freedoms. And, you know, I just won't stand for that.
0: Can't hold in The nicest possible
2: way. Yeah. Um and I don't you know, obviously if you want if and it's C2. If you wanna if you wanna continue with your, your pregnancy, absolutely go for it. But if you don't, you shouldn't be forced to keep it if you don't want to.
0: And that Period. is as simple as it gets, people. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Oh, Jen, thank you for being so brave and open um, with us today. I think that you sharing your story and actually, um, unless I'm remembering it incorrectly, I think that when you first recorded the abortion podcast with Amy, it was um, a little more lighthearted. And I don't think that I realised that you were grappling with Um, the emotional journey that you are I didn't realize that you were feeling the guilt that you are and maybe that's something that you have since discovered Um, but I think that that was really brave of you to share Um, and it is important to to shed light on the fact that even though it was a hundred percent the right thing for you and you're all for it you still can feel a little shitty about it and so we need to tread lightly when when we're dealing with people um, coping with their termination journey. So thank you. No worries. I also think too, I, I know Beck mentioned it, you know,
2: that right now I'm in like a way better place. So if, you know, still touch wood, cause I am not ready, <laughs> but, um, if I was to fall pregnant again, I think my decision would actually be different this time. Um, just knowing what I've gone through, knowing, the the trauma that it does carry but also knowing where I am in my life like it's it's a decision that I probably would take a little bit not more seriously because it was a serious decision to begin with but I think I'd be in in a different place in my life to be able to navigate you know that that new chapter but I still am not quite ready. Jen you will find (laughs) it like I, I won't tell you what you will
1: feel because you everybody's different but it'll be healing in a sense because it's a decision that you get to make as well yeah, like exactly it's, you get to make the you decision. get to make the decision yeah. um like I said like I on paper like should have had the baby if I like wrote everything down yeah. all the, the pros and cons in cons I think the only thing would have been was I'm not ready and that's enough yeah. it's, it's enough yeah. to just not be ready and I think that's really, really important for people to know. If you are not ready, you are not ready. Um, and
0: and your story, B is actually really important to share because Beck was actually in a relationship where her counterpart was more than ready. He, oh, he would was have so been ready. over the moon. And um, yeah. so if, if you're someone out there who has a partner who's really ready but you're not, that's still okay.
1: Jen, you know the first thing Brett yeah. said to me when I told him I was pregnant this time round was, is this something you want to do? Even though, inside, oh. <laughs> even though inside of him I knew I could see on his face and he was like, oh, my God, it's happening, it's please, happening, please, it's please, happening, yeah? But before, he still gave me the space to check in to see if, like, I was okay and that I still had space to make a choice at 33 or 32. I don't know how old I am. But I still had that space. Oh, so I think that. He's a keeper. He is a keeper. He's a beautiful, beautiful man.
0: <laughs> the um, moral of the story
1: is be a Brit. Yeah, Brett. Fine, yeah. Brett.
0: Um, but
1: yes, thank you. And I, I really, I, the message I just want out of this is for people not to feel alone or not, not to feel yeah. like, you know, this is a huge decision and it does impact your life, but it's okay. Like you can do it. You don't have to It's not a dirty thing. I I, I really do believe that abortion and termination has such a dirty stigma. The procedure around it, the word vacuum, like there's so much about it that just makes you go, oh, you know, and and it's not. It's just a procedure that you're going through. You know, we have miscarriages. We take the contraception pill, like you're stopping pregnancy by taking the pill. Um, So I think just guys, if you need to make the decision, like you're not alone. And one in three women do make that decision.
0: Yeah. I would like to end our conversation with our MPFFA moments. Jen, um, on the podcast, we like to just round things up by sharing a moment that made us feel fucking awesome. It doesn't have to be something that happened this week, it could be a really special memory in your life. But um, because Peaches exists to MPFFA, um, we like to share just like a happy little memory at the end of each episode because it's mm. bloody nice. <laughs> so what made you MPFFA lately?
2: Um, I mean, like a few things, um, but probably probably the feeling I felt when I booked my mum a ticket to come over and visit me for Christmas.
0: Oh, Yeah, that's about as good as it gets. Yeah. And yeah. you paid for her, <laughs> did you? Yeah. That's big too. That's a real sign of your yeah. success, isn't it? That's a defining moment. It it felt it felt really cool because I feel like I don't know. Yeah.
2: Not turning my horn. Um,
0: Jen, no, tu- t- t- <laughs> your freaking <laughs> horn. Enough with this Australian tall poppy syndrome. I, I, have worked... a, I think I have a beef on it. You've worked so hard and it's <laughs> okay to be proud. For God's sakes, let's normalise being proud of our hard work. No,
2: because, okay, so one thing I learned during the pandemic when I was all alone in my New York City apartment is what is the point of working so hard to the point of, like, literal like mental exhaustion like I spoke about having like breakdowns and stuff if I can't enjoy the labor and the fruits of my labor like literal labor um and so I was just like you know what I'm gonna start spending my like money on me I'm gonna start spending on experiences and start spending on the people that I love um and yeah my mom's coming to New York
0: how fabulous Christmas in New York with mom I'm so excited like, it's going to be a lot, but <laughs>
2: it'll be <laughs> one time i remember. regret it. <laughs> regret it. <laughs> okay, I'm no, going to send you back no now. No <laughs> what's yours. Time to go.
1: <laughs> I had a studio moment this week with a, actually, a couple of weeks ago, and it's just kind of continued. Um, so I've got a beautiful client that has been coming in for ages, and um, she is going through something with her son and she's shared it with me it's a bit of a a deal going on in their life and um I shared a similar experience and it's made her feel open to continue discussing like what's going on and I've noticed now that she comes to my class right on opening um because nobody else is there and so she can chat so she can chat and we haven't had that conversation of like you're coming in early to have a chat but I know that I can see that kind of habit that's happening and, and that routine that's happening and it just makes me feel awesome that you know there's space for her in her life to just come in and vent because it's a pretty big thing that's going on and she just needs somebody to talk to Um, and I think it's, it's sometimes nice not to have somebody that's immediately connected to you like a friend or a family member just like someone on the outside like never would discuss it with anybody else um, in my life obviously it's private but just getting an outside look. So it's really nice that she's just popping in and we've got this little secret relationship um, slash therapy
0: session going on where we're both
1: talking about experiences.
0: A fresh set of ears and someone removed from your group. It's so um, healthy, isn't yeah, it? it? It's like like a breath of fresh air, you know, different perspective on things. So nice. What's yours, girl? Mine is also peachy um, in our Facebook group last week i believe it was um one of our really valued online members beck's nodding because she already knows um her name is holly hey holly if you're listening we bloody love you um she she posted in the group a quite a um quite a vulnerable little post and um in it she shared um her thanks for um what um, being part of the peaches community has done for her and she went on to uh, share that um, she'd moved to Sydney um, with a partner they'd been in a relationship for seven years and the relationship had broken down and basically she was on the lookout for some new mates and she said I know this is kind of funny to share but um, does anybody want to like catch up and yeah. so many of our members were like i've dm'd you or i'd love to catch up girl or yep let's book a wine um here's my number blah 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 and reading the way that our peachy fam just like flocked Rallied around her, her and was like hell yes it just made me so proud um and i am gonna toot that goddamn peaches horn um because it's okay to be like we just discussed and um, I also totally related like I remember moving to Sydney I didn't know anybody and I used to describe making friends like dating it's not it's not like, people who grew up here and have had the same school group of friends for forever have no idea what it's like. Um, particularly, I, I do feel like Sydney can be a little bit clicky. Hell yeah. Um, like, yeah. I used to really get along with someone at work <laughs> yeah. and I'd be like, oh my God, I really like her. <laughs> She's really pretty. Should I ask her for a drink? Like, how do I approach her? <laughs> I used like, to do that at school. <laughs> Sydney is one clicky place. <laughs> um,
2: well, Amy, Amy slid into my DMs. That's how we I became love friends.
0: That. The, the, the cheeky old DM slide. Just like saying how <laughs> awesome you were. What did it say?
2: Yeah, she was like, I just want some advice on like potentially getting into modelling. And I was like, I don't know anyone in Sydney. Like, do you want to come for a drink with me? Like, I have no <laughs> friends.
1: <laughs> Isn't that beautiful? And you slid into our studios. I did. Yeah, down at Maroubra.
0: Yeah, just I remember just you standing on, on the footpath,
1: pr- foot and I was just looking at Jen, being like, Oh my god, she is the most beautiful girl I've ever seen in my life.
0: When I train Jen, I describe her. it as like. <laughs> I'm like, am I in a photo shoot? She gets all like, when you perspire, you just glow. Yeah. And I'll literally get my phone out and be like, I'm sorry, I actually have to take a photo of you because you're so ridiculously beautiful. It's the freckles get get oh. me, Her freckles. Oh, I love stop them. It. Okay. Stop we'll cut we'll your horn for you, girl. <laughs> Thanks. Jen, thank you so much for jumping on the Peaches podcast and discussing your journey with... Termination. Um, we really hope that if anybody out there is listening um, and they needed some advice, that they may well have found what they were looking for today. Thanks for listening, guys. Yeah, We never know how to end it. We never know how to end it. <laughs> no, I was like,
1: thank,
0: thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Thanks you for me. having me. Thanks for having me. I've also <laughs> got a crickets button. <laughs> no, you hang up. It's like being on the phone with your girlfriend or your mum and you're like, okay, we've yeah. really got to finish this and then you just like keep going, you keep going. Um, do you want to do that again? Like, mum, I really have to go. I've got to go. <laughs> <laughs> I actually need to wee now, so um, okay. we'll call it a day. <laughs> Thanks for listening, guys. (laughs) We will be seeing you guys next week. Love you, Jen. Bye. Bye. Bye.